0: Biology. 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 Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the HSC Biology Podcast, Long Read Sunday. Today, we are taking a look at a couple of articles on different diseases and pathogens. And uh, yeah, hopefully they are relevant to what you're studying. So the first one is Ebola may have lingered in a survivor for five years before sparking a new outbreak. And this is much longer than scientists knew as possible. So Ebola, I spoke about on the last podcast, uh, is a string-like virus. Um, it's quite complex and it is quite prevalent in, um, in West Africa. So there's lots of information out there about ebola and i think it's good to use an alternate example from coronavirus just because they might provide a coronavirus stimulus and then you have to apply your knowledge elsewhere all right here we go a person who survived the major ebola outbreak in west africa between 2014 and 2016 may have harbored the virus for five years before it hopped to another person and triggered the current outbreak in guinea according to a new analysis scientists previously knew that ebola virus could hide out in the bodies of survivors especially in privileged areas of the body where the immune system is less active such as in the eyeballs or the testes that means the person could shed the virus for some time after recovering from the deadly infection and in rare occasions that person could transmit it to others the longest a person has been known to shed the ebola virus was 500 days but a new analysis suggests that ebola virus can not only hide out for much longer than that but it may also have the ability to spark brand new outbreaks To analyse the current Ebola outbreak in Guinea, which has now infected 18 people and killed 9, Guinea's Ministry of Health sent three samples of the current variant to the World Health Organization laboratory at the Institut Pasteur de Dakar in Senegal. There, researchers sequenced the samples to figure out exact genes that make up its genome, and then they compared that with previous Ebola virus variants. They found that the current variant is very similar to the 2014 Makona variant that caused the West Africa outbreak in 2014-2016 to 2016 and killed more than 11,000 people across Guinea, Liberia, and Sierra Leone. In fact, the new variant only had about a dozen genetic differences, which is far less than what would be expected during sustained human-to-human transmission. Had the virus been silently spread from person to person since the West Africa outbreak, it would have likely evolved more than 100 different mutations in the past 5 years. Rather, it's likely that the virus lingered in the body of someone who was infected during the previous outbreak 5 years ago and it hopped to another person, such as through sexual transmission, prompting the current outbreak. The virus can linger in pockets around the body and can infect others on rare occasions, according to STAT. Such transmissions typically occur when a male survivor infects a female through sexual contact. But in the case of this new outbreak, the story is still muddled. More research is needed to tease out exactly what happened. The first known case of the current outbreak in Guinea was a nurse who was infected and died in January. Though it's also possible that the nurse was infected after caring for her sick mother. A couple of people then became infected after attending the funeral. Prior to this analysis, scientists assumed that new Ebola outbreaks were mostly caused by the virus jumping from animal species to humans. Though it's possible this could have happened in Guinea, it's incredibly unlikely given that the new virus samples and those from the previous West Africa outbreaks are so similar genetically. The findings also raise the question about whether survivors, rather than infected animals, could have sparked other outbreaks in Africa. Many survivors not only struggle with the long-term effects of having been infected with a deadly virus, but they also face stigmatisms. The possibility that Ebola resurged after five years from a survivor opens new challenges for survivors, their families, and their current communities, but also for the health system that has to create new ways to work with communities, known and unknown survivors, without creating further stigmatisms. If indeed survivors with lingering viruses in their bodies can prompt new outbreaks, vaccinating much of equatorial Africa against Ebola, even when there isn't an outbreak, may be the solution. There are currently approved vaccines against Ebola, but these are only used when a region is facing an outbreak. Alright, so the article itself, pretty interesting. A few crossovers there. The idea of the virus uh, lingering for a long period of time, uh, lots of issues there. The way in which it's transmitted is interesting, and we'll talk about that later. But yeah, Ebola is a good example as it has lots of different facets because it is quite complex. Um, So make sure you do check that out if you can. All right, and the second article today is one that was um, pretty weird. It's a bit of an interesting one because it's caused by a bacteria, but it's not technically a transmissible bacteria, but it is killing large numbers and when it is together, it can kill more. So yeah, we'll read through this one and uh, do a bit of an analysis at the end. So the article itself is called Some bacteria are suffocating sea stars turning the animals to goo. Microbes that thrive in high nutrient settings deplete oxygen in water around the animals. The mysterious culprit behind a deadly sea star disease is not an infection, as scientists once thought. Instead, multiple types of bacteria living within millimeters of sea stars' skin deplete oxygen from the water and effectively suffocate the animals. Such microbes thrive when there are high levels of organic matter in the warm water and create low oxygen environments that can make sea stars melt in a puddle of slime. Sea star wasting disease, which causes lethal symptoms like decaying tissue and loss of limbs, first gained notoriety in 2013 when sea stars living off the US Pacific coast died in massive numbers. Outbreaks of the disease had also occurred before 2013, but never at such a large scale. Scientists suspected that a virus or bacteria might be making the sea stars sick. That hypothesis was supported in a 2014 study that found unhealthy animals may have been infected by a virus. But the link vanished when subsequent studies found no relationship between the virus and dying sea stars, leaving researchers perplexed. The new finding that a berm of nutrient-loving bacteria can drain oxygen from the water and cause wasting disease challenges us to think that there might not always be a single pathogen or a smoking gun. Such a complex environmental scenario for killing sea stars is a new kind of idea for disease transmission. There were certainly many red herrings during the hunt for why sea stars along North America's Pacific coast were melting into goo. In addition to the original hypothesis of a viral cause for sea star wasting disease, he and his colleagues analysed a range of other explanations from differences in water temperature to exposing the animals to bacteria, but nothing reliably triggered wasting. Then the researchers examined the types of bacteria living with healthy sea stars compared with those living among the animals with wasting disease. This was when we had our aha moment, says Hewson. Types of bacteria known as copiotrophs, which thrive in an environment with lots of nutrients, were present around the sea stars at higher levels than normal, either shortly before the animals developed lesions or as they did so. Hewson and colleagues found bacterial species that survive only in environments with little to no oxygen were also thriving, In the lab, the sea stars began wasting when the researchers added phytoplankton, or common bacterial growth ingredient, to the warm water tubs those microbes and sea stars were living in. Experimentally depleting oxygen from the water had a similar effect, causing lesions in 75% of the animals, while none succumbed to the control group. Sea stars breathe by diffusing oxygen over small external projections called skin gills, so the lack of oxygen in the wake of flourishing copia troughs leaves sea stars struggling for air, the data shows. It's unclear how the animals degrade in low oxygen conditions, but it could be due to massive cell death. Although the disease isn't caused by a contagious pathogen, it is transmissible in the sense that dying sea stars generate more organic matter that spur bacteria to grow on healthy animals nearby. It's a bit of a snowball effect, Hewson says. The team also analyzes tissues from sea stars that have succumbed in the 2013 mass die-off which followed a large algal bloom on the U.S. west coast, to see if such environmental conditions might explain that outbreak. In fast-growing appendages that helped them move, the sea stars that perished had high amounts of a form of nitrogen found in low oxygen conditions, a sign that those animals may have died from a lack of oxygen. The problem may get worse with climate change, Euson says. Warmer waters can't have as much oxygen compared with colder waters, just by physics alone. Bacteria, including copia troughs, also flourish in warm water but pinpointing the likely cause could help experts better treat six sea stars in the lab. Some techniques include increasing the oxygen levels in a water tank to make the gas more easily available to the sea stars or getting rid of extra organic matter with ultraviolet light or water exchange. There is still a lot to figure out with this disease, but I think the study gets us a long way to understand how it comes about. All right, so another interesting article there where we have, you know, a pathogen that's causing a... Uh, death of another animal but it's not infecting it directly and it's not being passed on directly so This is where we have a bit of ambiguity around is it an infectious or non infectious disease? And that could be something that brings up a great discussion in class. I know in the 2019 HSC, the students were asked to debate whether or not uh, Alzheimer's was caused by an infectious or non infectious disease based on the information that was provided. So, again, this would be a good one to talk about um, because we talk about the fact that there is a bacteria involved, a prokaryote, um, and yet the infection isn't directly related to the organism it's something that in the environment is causing them to die so yeah uh, a one that can certainly um, go either way if you uh, bring in the evidence but a a good one to talk about all right guys i hope you enjoyed today's reading and uh, if you have another good article that you want me to read or something you found very interesting throughout the week please feel free to send it through on the facebook page um, or get in contact with me however you can all right thanks guys bye